Hi, I'm Milton Ellen Turner, and this week on Worldviews, I have the pleasure of interviewing Sandra D. Bishop. So I look it up, and, and when it said that I was having breast issues, it says that you were not giving of your milk. And I said, not giving of my milk? What do they mean? I don't have any milk. What's my milk? Find out exactly what she means by this and so much more. Welcome to this week's episode of Worldviews. Well, welcome to this edition of Worldviews. I'm Milton Allen Turner, and I have the pleasure to have my first ever guest and interview, the irrepressible Sandra Bishop. Irrepressible? (laughs) (laughs) What a word choice. (laughs) (laughs) The effervescent, incredible, interesting, uh, knowledgeable. What would you you prefer? I don't know, vivacious. Um, what else do I like? Uh, I, so, I always have people Sandra talk Bishop. about me as being enthusiastic and effervescent and vivacious, all those kinds of words, but irrepressible. <laughs> What a word, what a word. So thank you for having me on your show. I am just overjoyed to be here. Well, thank you for joining me. Um, well, I could give a little introduction, but I probably wouldn't do you any justice, but you do your Shift Happens um, show on WOVU uh, 95.9 every Thursday, which is shortly going to become a podcast. Yes. Um, a couple of them already up as a podcast, but right. you're working on adding more of them up there so that if we don't get a chance to hear you every Thursday afternoon, we'll be able to go back and listen to the podcast after the fact. And your broadcasts are also normally available on your Facebook live feed. Mm-hmm. But you know what? One of the things about Shift Happens, when I originally agreed to do the show, I you know, we had to come up, I had to come up with a title and... And sort of what the name about was going to be about, you know, on the show. And so and how was, did you come up with Shift Happens? Or was, what were some of the previous iterations it, well, of the show title? Well, you, you know, the, the real word is, you yes. know how they say. <laughs> Excrement occurs. Yes. And so one of the things that I know is, is that sometimes it's just one new thought that you can get. One new idea that can totally change your entire world around. And so that's why I had this idea, shift happens, shift happens when you just get one new nugget. I remember hearing an interview about a woman some years ago, and this woman was talking about you know, the life that she was leading, leading, and she was talking about what a struggle it was. She was going from, you know, constantly being addicted to drugs, to being homeless, to living out, uh, you know, in, in, in various places all the time. It was just from one thing to another, to another. And she said in one point she got arrested and somebody said to her that she didn't have to lead the life that she was leading. Like there was another choice. And she thought, what an idea. Like she had been on that path for so long that she didn't know that there was another option for her. And so when she found out there was another option for her, she took it. And I think at the time when she was doing this interview, it could have been a TED talk. I don't know. But at the time when she was doing this interview, she was a successful business owner. I mean, she had turned her life totally around. And it was just because somebody gave her one new idea, one new thought, one new possibility. That shift happens. And so shift happens. <laughs> yes. And so that was why I named my show that. And a lot of times what I do is, is I throw out a whole bunch of ideas, right? Just going <laughs> to throw a whole bunch of stuff at the wall and hopefully something sticks for somebody. I've um, I've constantly said to people over the years that I'm just there to plant seeds. I'm not there to water, not there to harvest. I'm there to plant seeds. And so that's what I try to do. Well, great. And then also this year, you've been busy doing your 
Morning Glory podcast, mm-hmm. a Morning Glory show, which is also your newest adventure into podcasting mm-hmm. with um, Stephanie McCain, which you do on Facebook every morning uh, around 7-ish, 7.15-ish. Yeah, we get <laughs> there about 7.20. By 7.20, we're usually up in casting. Okay. And so what's the focus for Morning Glory? So we started out doing Morning Glory, not even intentionally. I was really, you know, we every every year everybody talks about Lent, and Lent in the past, um, you know, it, it's it's right after Fat Tuesday, right before Easter, that forty day period. Actually, it's a little more than forty days. Mm-hmm. It's that period of time where we talk about giving up something. What are you going to give up? And you know, in the Catholic Church, everybody goes in for Ash Wednesday and they get the, you know, the ashes and you do something, something for 40 days or for that period of time. And so this year I thought to myself for Lent, I am going to just show up. I'm going to show up on the mic, on camera every single day and talk. And I started doing that. I was doing it. And at first it was like, um, I felt like, you know, that I was kind of in that space all by myself. And I got a call sometime during the process from a friend of mine, Stephanie. Stephanie used to to uh, attend my church. We really didn't have a relationship prior to that. And she wanted some encouragement because she was like, oh, I want to make some changes in my life. I want to do something, this, that, and the other. And so I started throwing out options to her, right? And um, and so when I finally got around to telling her about um, my Lent my Lenten experience, she was like, oh, well, I'll join you. And since Stephanie is also a therapist, I got her, I recruited her and I recruited my girlfriend, Jessica. <laughs> and we started off just doing a Lent conversation and we were enjoying the conversation so much that we decided to do, a, you know, to kind of ramp it up get a focus in on the topic that we were going to talk about. And it turned into morning glory. Jessica sort of dropped off because she couldn't get in with the 7 <laughs> I, seven a.m. idea, you know, 7.15, 7.20 idea. She couldn't get in with that. She was just like, there's no way she was going to be able to do that. So it's been Stephanie and I. Stephanie has been my uh, my ride or die sidekick and uh, and it's been great. And just as of this week, you started converting the episodes into podcasts. Into podcasts. available wherever you can get your podcasts. And, and the focus of them is really awesome because we started out doing, when we changed it right the day after Easter, we started dissecting a book called Anatomy of the Spirit, which is by Carolyn Miss. And um, it's all about how our biography becomes our biology. So the Mm. things that happen in our life, how it affects our health, how it affects our life. So whether it's our thinking, um, whether it is things out of our history, out of our past, how does that affect my health today? And so it is a powerful look inwardly. And I share all of these amazing stories, if I say so myself. know that they're actually amazing but they're stories out of my life and if you could see like how I like to talk about my life right now (laughs) then you know maybe you could get a clue on just about how my show goes and when you were talking about um how biography how biology affects um biography you're also working on a project hopefully coming up um with um idea stream public media that you put Ooh, in a proposal I got my to try. fingers <laughs> crossed on that and what is your what's your proposed project what are you hoping to do in so it's really to an extenuation of of this it's um it would also be a podcast that would talk about how race affects our health mm-hmm. right and so a lot of times what we do is is we think poor access to health care would be a, a thing which which it is right or we would think that um, you know we kind of 
when people talk about the effects of race and racism on health, they don't necessarily go down to the nuances of it. And so for me, part of what we've been doing through Morning Glory is, is we've been drilling down on what this means. What does poverty mean when it comes down to our health? How does it affect our health? Whether we're talking about the, the, you know, when you think about poverty, you just think, oh, lack of money. You don't think about the stress of your environment. You don't think about the foods that you eat, the food mm-hmm. deserts, the reasons why you're in those things. You don't think about the, <laughs> what is it, a thousand different little things that kind of make up this huge, huge something that just eats away at you. Right, which... Fortunately or unfortunately, over this last year, we've started having those difficult conversations or coming to grips with looking at the structures and race, mm-hmm. racism, often just structures, not individual choices that have significant effects on our lives and on our health. And even with Cuyahoga County and many states and other areas, looking at racism as being a major health concern yeah. and not just mm-hmm. an individual choice or a bad circumstance, mm-hmm. but the definite effects that it has on communities of color in terms of our health and survival. Right. You know, it, and it's so interesting, too, because if you're not a person of color, you there is a lot of things that you probably have no clue about, right? Mm-hmm. A the lot luxury of, of not understanding or, not, or a luxury of ignoring. Right, right. You know, um, and, and so when you when you when you don't have a clue as to the the things like you know like something like we call a black tax right mm-hmm. or how once a person finds out you know like oops oh they're black okay they don't count they have no clout they have no power we don't have to respect them Mm-hmm. So whether it is insurance companies or the manager at the bank, yeah, absolutely. whether it is the grocery store and the grocery stores in our community that don't feel like we need nor deserve. Well, first, having grocery stores in our community. Oh, right, right. <laughs> Which having. Normally, <laughs> becomes a problem with food and deserts or if they are there, they're convenience stores and having something other than fast food, microwavable, having actual fresh fruits and vegetables at an affordable cost. Subpar. They have something subpar that's all full of sugar food. and salt. The absolutely. food that other stores would, rec- would reject mm. out of, you know, they know that basically people of color have been conditioned to not complain. Right. We've been conditioned with what do we tell our children? You're to be seen and not heard or, or, um, you know, how, how we've been conditioned to go to the back door or Mm -hmm. to say that somehow you're not worthy of what it is that you desire or what the, like other people, what whiteness takes for granted, Mm -hmm. And so, so these little things on a daily basis just eat away at a person's spirit. Mm-hmm. And it really strikes me when you, as the term you use, black tax, because being black or even being poor is rather expensive. <laughs> being in inner cities where people <laughs> end up not having access to the jobs where jobs are, having to rely on public transportation that doesn't take them where they necessarily have to go, then having to find some other means of Ubering or mm-hmm. rides to get to where they need to go. As you mentioned, having subpar food that has normally an extra cost added to it. Mm-hmm. So the only thing you can afford to get is either something bad or half spoiled or something full of salt and sugar off of a 99 cent menu. Right. And if you want to make healthy choices, it costs too much. Right, right. And then and and then the other things that people don't know is uh, about what, uh, what what is the word I'm looking for? How how much exploitation goes on in our community? Yes. So when people are struggling, you know, when they are struggling and 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 don't have the things that they need and you have these vultures that are in our community mm-hmm. that take advantage of situations. 
now I, when you mentioned that, I wish I could remember, and I may have to put it in afterwards, uh, the name of this book, but there was a book I was reading last year, a year before, called The Underbanking of America, mm. where there was this woman, I think she, she had a master's degree, I believe, in economics, and at first was critical as to why people of color tended not to have bank accounts and would rely on check hashing or convenience stores for doing most of their financial concerns, and she decided to investigate it by actually working in one of these companies for a while. Mm -hmm. And one of the things she discovered was one that banks really don't care about anybody that's not rich. Right. And that it's traditional banking accounts and things don't work for most people that you have 50 pages worth of terms and fees and things. And that actually too many hoops to jump through. Right. And they didn't really serve those communities while the check cashing or other places, they were making small amounts of profit, but their big thing was on customer service. And then she actually, after working at it and looking at the details, realized that, yes, people are actually making rather well-informed choices, mm-hmm. that unless you've got several million dollars, the banks are going to charge you ridiculous fees and amounts and exploit you, mm-hmm. as opposed to these other financial services or check places, cashing places found a niche where they made their pricing very upfront. You walk in, you see exactly, (laughs) here's the service, here's the fee. It's Mm -hmm. not hidden in 40 pages worth of terms to exploit you later or you miss a deadline or you miss a particular date and get all kinds of feeds added on. And she realized that, no, people would tend to underestimate the intelligence of people. It's like, no, they're making very rational financial choices given the structures available to them and the structures that aren't made for people that are working class are not very wealthy, that the banks are really going to only take care of you Mm -hmm. if you're wealthy. And if you're not, they're going to charge fees out the wazoo. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. So, so the, the piece with idea stream is to talk about all of the effects, all the different things that people may not see that are affecting our community and the health of our community. So it is my hope, um, of course, that I'll be selected for this because this is something I'm already doing and I'm already passionate about. But that is not to say that this, that uh, the piece will be broadcast over idea stream. It may be, who knows, it may be that I stay on WOVU and that there is a grant that is made available for me to drill down deeper into that topic. I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but I am prayerful. Great. Sounds like a great initiative. And is your plan largely to begin just to increase awareness or is there also going to be a discussion component or a problem solving component? Where exactly do you see, how do you exactly see this initiative going forward goodness so I would love to be able to talk to more people out in the community about their particular experiences and their frustration as you know or maybe maybe not there is (laughs) there you know we always talk about there being a couple of different types of America so say, for instance, right now we hear over the over the radio, we listen to NPR, say, for instance, wonderful radio station, very informative. But how many people actually do? How many people from out of the inner city actually do? Mm-hmm. And so when when there's information that goes out that says, um, you know, the governor has, is pushing people to sign up for the Affordable Care Act insurance. Is that message really meeting or getting to the people who need to hear it? Right. Then the second part of that is, is even when now all of a sudden they say to us, now you're insured under the Affordable Care Act, how many people then feel empowered enough to go into a clinic or a place and say, hey, I've got a problem. Mm-hmm. So you've, our community does not trust the health care system. <laughs> nor do they trust that 
say, for instance, if something is wrong, that one day will be heard because I will tell you from oh. from being a black woman, even though I, you know, got me a little college education <laughs> um, and I think that I carry myself pretty decently. Why is it that the first question they ask me is, is do you do drugs and then sit there and act as if I'm lying to them? Right. Ask do you the question, then don't actually listen to the answer. Right. <laughs> Right. They 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 see you and don't see you because all they see sitting there is a black woman, not necessarily a person who is about something or or, you know, they 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 sort of disregard. Do you smoke? No. Right. You say no. And they say, well, how long ago did you stop? (laughs) Really? Never. Really? You know, what kind of questions right, are they? They already have it, that preconception of their own playbook. <laughs> Instead of listening to you and your lived experience, right. they've already imagined an experience. And the, oh uh, my they've gosh. already put a box that they put you into, not realizing that that doesn't apply to you. Instead of listening to you, your experience, the fact that you probably know your own body, what's right and wrong, yeah. and trusting your experience and not their misguided preconceptions right so 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 the moment you know you you say no to all of their little queries they look at you as if to say well then what do you do as, <laughs> as if that's a thing like right. really starting off with the negatives like, oh. so, so what what uh, what vices do you have I was like what problems do you have <laughs> my why gosh. are you responsible for that right as if you're resp- <laughs> in most of the cases illness is something that just happens and treated with empathy as opposed to in communities of color it's like, what did you do wrong? Yeah. What is like? Why are you responsible? Yeah. For this? Isn't it? What is it? Death by a, ti- a, a million <laughs> tiny cuts. Is that how it goes? Right. A million so cuts, all those little microaggressions becoming macroaggressions. Right. 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 So there is a part of our community that doesn't we that does not like to engage mm-hmm. with the healthcare system and understandably so right <laughs> Given and our history and previous experience mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we don't like being judged um or looked to look down upon or then mm-hmm. to uh, you know it, especially when we're already in a vulnerable position where mm-hmm. you, you may not be feeling well or realize that something is wrong so you're opening yourself up being vulnerable and then to be abused or as you mentioned to be exploited during that vulnerability and not listened to it's just adding insult to injury right right and and i mean and so there's so many different things in even in that initial intake that is so problematic and I don't want to make it seem as though all that people need to do is to ask better questions because it comes down to a certain humanness that says, I want to be seen. Mm-hmm. I actually want to be seen, not stereotyped. And I want you to hear me say what's wrong with me, not telling me what's wrong with right. me. Right. And, and that becomes problematic, too. So so when we talk about all of these things, how do we really get down to the root of it? How do we really address the, the issues that people are having when they engage with our health care system? Um, there are... Uh, there are kind of all kinds of ways that people get around things. We have gone to, and and this is not to cast any disparaging shade upon institutions that are there to train people, but um, you know I have been in in situations where um, five or ten interns enter the room and then they talk about me as if I'm not there right. or you, you know and, and, and you're sitting there thinking did I sign up for the free session or <laughs> or what is this and so what you what you find is too is that people engage in 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 situations that don't always affirm who they are sitting there and um, I have I, you know somebody told me at one point like do you know that you can fire your doctor like you can fire anybody mm-hmm. else 
And so I have gotten to the point where, yes, I have I have been empowered enough that I walk out if I don't like how I'm being mm. treated. But our community does not always feel that way. Right. They take medicines that make them feel sicker than when they went in. Mm-hmm. Um, they follow instructions to the T sometimes when it doesn't work and yet they don't feel empowered to say, hey, this isn't working for me. So there are so many little cuts that happen every single day. Right. I think it's so important what you mentioned that we don't necessarily recognize that it's a relationship and a dialogue so that, yes, not only should we be seen and heard by our healthcare takers, but that also we have a right and responsibility to say like, I don't believe you. I don't trust you. I need to find somebody else. That if people aren't listening to us or seeing us, that we have the right to choose someone else to fire a doctor mm-hmm. and find someone request, who will yeah, work with us. Else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that will mm-hmm. recognize us and our, recognize our value in the fact that yeah, I've been in this body for 57, 58 years. I kind of know what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if something isn't right, it's like, I know what's right and what's not wrong. And so you don't need to tell me that. I'm telling you this so that you can better do it. You don't need to come up with some mm-hmm. thing like that. Well, you must have done this. You must have done this. No, I never did this. And I'm telling you, mm-hmm. this is what happened. Right. Oh my gosh. So, um, so there, there is, there is that part of the the system that, you know. That they don't ask you what you need; they rather tell you what you need, right. and which um, doesn't then engender yeah. the trust, which is what is so <laughs> lacking <laughs> between us and healthcare institute, well, institutions overall, and healthcare in particular. So that's 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 that that's the idea stream piece. Yeah. Oh, great. And then again, one of your other many hats, you're also uh, Reverend of the Agape Renaissance Spiritual Center and do your regular Sunday reflection sermons with that. You know, I am a minister. Can you believe that? Oh, yes. Well, I remember I was actually at your ordination. As much as you hate using Reverend Sandra D. Bishop, you are the Reverend Sandra Bishop. But right, right, right. And um, and I will tell you, I went into ministry kicking and screaming <laughs> because I always said to everyone who would listen to me that it was just such a small box for me to fit into because everyone has their expectations about what a minister is supposed to look like, act like, talk like, <laughs> praise the Lord, you know, <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> Everybody has their perceptions about what that's supposed to be. And I was not that. <laughs> and, and so I resisted for a long time. And, um, and it was as if I felt like I had a foot in my back saying, get out there. <laughs> like, you know, get out there. Maybe that's why you were chosen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, maybe that was why you were called to this because you were not fitting into the box. And so I had to I had to really wrestle with that and get some reconciliation around that particular idea. So yes, and I love Agape. It is a new thought um, church. And it, I feel like as if we're open at the top. And I, yeah, I, I What do you adore. mean by that? Explain that a little bit. Well, so we embrace, we embrace God however God shows up, right? And if we say that God is in all, through all, as all, right here, right now, then it sort of changes around how you engage. So you don't look at it as if it is something that you encounter on Sundays or when you decide to turn to church, but it's what you encounter every moment of every day. It is the very air that you breathe. It's kind of like the matrix, right? <laughs> I was wondering how long it would take for you to bring a matrix in. Anybody who's not familiar, Sandra loves the matrix, my favorite movies, and ends up making references to it in almost every oh speech or gosh. sermon that she or or as well you do um tra- any training speech yeah, sermon yes. talk they have there's normally some matrix reference in there the somewhere matrix, the world that has been and not judging because i use comic book and star trek and star wars references <laughs> all the time or baseball so it's not a criticism it's actually mm-hmm. it's 
it comes from a position of respect and love. Yes, yes, yes. But the the matrix is is awesome. And so when it says it's the the world that the wool that's been pulled over your eyes to blind you to the truth. And so one of the things that we've been blinded to is how awesome each and every one of us is and how we have this amazing power. But but we have been so distracted with mm-hmm. uh, weapons of mass distraction, yeah. whether that is television or phones or games or or making money or any number of things. We've been so distracted that we can't see how powerful and awesome we truly are. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I'm just, just repeating history over and over again with the with the Romans. It was bread and circuses. Give people something to eat and some games to entertain them and just... Now we've gone from bread and circuses to maybe like wine and Netflix, but it's like the same thing over and over again. A little something to eat, a little something to distract and keep your mind off of or distract it from what's really going on. And, you know, I always wonder if this is an agenda that people who don't know how awesome they are have for those who can realize how awesome mm-hmm. they are. So, so in, and, and it's, um, what's that guy's name? Hussein Bolt? Uh, the the runner mm-hmm. Re- Usain Bolt. Mm-hmm. yeah it, it's kind of like that it's 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 like sometimes if we were just really empowered I, I can't tell you how many of our kids are probably him and and don't really know it because nobody ever you know it's right. like we, we want to give them a pill and tell them to go back to sleep or put a game in their hands and tell them here occupy yourself we mm-hmm. we want to distract them from any number with any number of crazy little things so that they can't see that when they really just apply themselves to it they they take off like Hussein and it's just so <laughs> easy and just like bam yep. yeah so letting people discover their own inner gifts and talents instead of distracting them away from looking at, because that can be a very dangerous thing having people realize their potential Ooh, well is it dangerous or is it just that by well, comparison if we're sitting up trying to make comparisons that that it really makes us feel inadequate sometimes but that's what exactly what so so one of the things that Marianne Williamson said is is that our greatest fear is um, our own brilliance right and and so she says it's not that that we're that we're we play small oh I I messed that quote up but but she's she says it in the sense of of saying is that our greatest fear is not that we're inadequate but that we are brilliant beyond belief I mean for those of you who've heard that quote you know it I I'm messing it up but um but that's the essence of it and so instead of really just Standing in in that brilliance and letting it be, we throw it away. We, you know, we, we ah, you know, not for me, not yeah. today. Well, speaking of brilliance beyond belief and what's not recognized, what's inside of us, you've actually started a journey as well on writing with uh, your 5 a.m. book club and um, Cleveland Inc., which actually prodded, pushed, put your foot into my back to get involved in that. Literary be, Cleveland. With literary yeah. Cleveland mm-hmm. getting involved with that. So it's, um, how did you get involved with that? And what are you hoping to do with um, with the with the book that's inside? What do you think is inside of you? And what are you trying to bring out? Now, you mentioned, your, well, I said your second book should probably be something about Course in Miracles, but you think it should be detours that you start off on one. And that one, as you said, one idea leads to another and leads right, to another, planting other right, seeds. Right, but right. what are you... What did you hope to get out of this? What are you planning to get out of it? And what are you getting out of it so far? So the way I originally got into this is I have wanted to write a book forever, forever. I can remember. um, Yeah, I can remember back in high school wanting to write a book. And then when I was in college, I met a. Um, a guy who wrote a book and I want to say, I want to say, but I'm not quite sure that he had written a book called Makes Me Want to Holler. Macmillan or whatever. It was an amazing book. Uh, It was uh, based on um, 
who's whose song is that? Is that uh, not? Uh, no, I don't remember. Marvin Gaye's song makes me wanna. Holler. Oh, wow. throw up my both my uh, hands. Yeah, mm-hmm. makes me wanna holler. Throw up both my hands. <laughs> Ow. Anyway, <laughs> I, you know, I'm, Mm-hmm. This is me, right? <laughs> so, um, and and I remember him saying that in the midst of him coming out, he had come out to the to the university, and he was, you know, I I said to him in the midst of this Q and A thing that I wanted to write a book, and he says, "Well, you've got to read at least a thousand books before you can write a book." And I remember feeling so dejected, like, "What, really, a thousand? Are you serious? A whole thousand? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so I, I really wanted to write a book from way back. I have started and stopped all these false starts and stops and and not feeling as if I respected my own voice to the point of handing over what I had done. So this past year at the beginning of the year I had of course all of us have come through COVID and this pandemic and one of the things that I said to I don't know how many people is is that we cannot come out of this pandemic this shutdown and not have something not something of you know something of value needed to be created through all of this and so while I did a lot of work in my house it was still not you know and home improvement stuff is not what I was thinking of when I said that so a friend of mine's Rhonda Crowder was doing what she named the 5 a.m club which meant waking up at 5 a.m and writing working on a book or a project or she says she didn't care what you wrote just showing up at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. to write and so um you know I every month she we're both in the Greater Cleveland Association of Black Journalists and every month you know she would say yeah we're at you know day whatever and you know and 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 you could see that she was really enjoying it because it was like this continuing on and on and on. And I'm thinking like, okay, this is past 100 days, past <laughs> 200 days. And so I finally said to myself at the beginning of the year, uh, 2021, I said, I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. and try this 5 a.m. club and because I want to get a book done. And so I, the first time I, I rolled over in my bed, she does it on Instagram and I just wanted to peek and see what it was like. Like, do I have to get up and put on clothes? Can I just lay here and <laughs> really in my bed? COVID. <laughs> yeah. You know, just, I, I, I was like not trying to get out of the bed at 5 AM. And so I, I, you know, I rolled over in bed and I pull out my iPhone and, you know, it lights up the entire room and you look into the screen and there she is and she's talking and I didn't have to be on screen with her. And I'm thinking, oh, cool. I can just sit here and eavesdrop. And then she says, good morning, Sandra Bishop. And I thought, <laughs> oh, my God, out. she sees me. <laughs> Which, again, they're about people not seeing you and not hearing you. And, like, you were seeing you. She saw you she in your fullness me. and recognized you. Right. And so I was like, okay, I wanted to just, you know, it's like one of those things like you want to close it back up real quick, but I'm like, okay, no, I got to stay here. <laughs> you've been called out now. Right. And so. You've been called out. You got to show up. Right. When you've been seen, you got to show up. So then the next day I was like, okay, I'm going to try to do better. I'm going to try to sit up this time. And, um, and so one of the things that really impressed me is, is that there were like, not just me, it was a quite a few people that were actually getting up and they were talking about projects that they were working on. And all of a sudden I started getting this bug because now it seems like everybody had something going on and I wanted to be productive too. And so now it's like, let me get up and sit at the table and then let me get up and, you know, and, and so it, it, it was rolling into this. And then she said one day that this idea, she was like, we're not the only 5 a.m. club. There's a lot of 5 a.m. clubs. She says, because apparently there's a book out there called the 5 a.m. club. <laughs> 
And so I was saying, oh, let me get the book. Let me read the book. I read the book. Now I get up at 4.30. I go outside and I work out because part of the 5 a.m. club is as a structure in the morning where when you jump out of bed, the first thing you do is you work out. And so I get out of bed. I work out. I then go in. I do my journaling. I do um, I do a meditation and then I'm ready to write and I write. And um, and now this week we are doing uh, Literary Cleveland has a two week um, scheduled event where from six to eight, there is a what it's called early ink and everybody gets together and write. So it's wonderful. It's a powerful synergy being in with that group as well. So I have been um, since the beginning of the year doing the 5 a.m. club, which kind of rolls into my 7 a.m. talk <laughs> and, and all of that running together. So it's been amazing. And I'm so grateful and thankful to Rhonda um, and the support of the people that are in that 5 a.m. group, that 5 a.m. call, the camaraderie that is there, the, um, you know, just cheering one another on as we work on our individual projects. It's just awesome. That's great. And I'm looking forward to joining the Cleveland Inc. Uh, next week and joining, right. participating in the second week of that. Right, right. Hopefully get some of mine fiction, writing short stories back and dust them off and start getting back in the habit. Yeah, but all of this ends uh, on, um, is it uh, July 24th, I do believe. So I'm not quite sure when this airs, but um, if, if you are interested Hopefully in... Hopefully it'll be out just before that, the yeah, one, a couple if, days before that. Yeah, but if you are interested in participating, it is litcleveland.org. And uh, for literaryCleveland.org, and it seems as though they have things going on a few times a year that encourages you to actually um, pull out a laptop or pick up a pen and paper or whatever and get busy. Get busy. They let the inner you out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So all of this has been a part of, um, I also have a little training business that I do, um, and that is called Esteemed Encounters, where I go out and I do training. I'm a hired speaker, and I love doing that as well. And I mean, just life is, life is so juicy and good, and I just think that we ought to encourage one another to really live into it, to not just kind of sit back and watch it go by, but how do we get into it, you know? Right. I think that's important what you just mentioned about life being juicy and good. It's a, and a couple of trainings and things I've done over the last year during COVID and talking about social justice and awareness is that we do need to deal with and recognize the obstacles and adversities in our lives, but we also have to recognize that that isn't what defines us, that our stories shouldn't begin and end with the sorrow, that they should begin and end with the joy, and that there may be those dips that's in that, but it's the juiciness and the happiness that comes out of that before and after that we really need to pay attention to, and that's something that I'm trying to hold on to a lot more that it's just we have to deal with the pain and the struggle, but the pain and the struggle is not what defines us. It's our the joy, hopefully, that comes from after that and what so, defines us of the unity in confronting that that we have to keep in mind. So I remember hearing um, one time I used to do a radio show way back in the day, and I remember hearing this woman or was it a man? I don't know that it matters. But they said that it's the agitation that gets the wash clean. And so sometimes what we do is, is we think that the truth is the agitation, right? The agitation, just like sandpaper, is there to provide us with um, relief, so to speak. It's the, the edge of our being. And... But, but sometimes what people do is, is that they only see the agitation. Mm. They stay stuck in the agitation right. without recognizing that it has its place. Right. It's all part of a process. <clears throat> yeah. It smooths us out. Right. It's, it's, it's part of, of, of what 
just takes off the edge of, of where we are, where we may have been, but it's not the truth. Mm -hmm. And so if we really allow life to polish us in that way, to, 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 to just kind of, to be what it is. And then to know that, Ooh, you know, on the other side of this, you know, cause I'm going through some stuff right now, you know, just like all of us, I'm going through some, some major stuff right now. And, and at moments is scary and it's stressful, but at the same time, it's like, Ooh, because I've been through some stuff before, I know that this too shall pass mm -hmm. this too. I can handle this will be okay. And so to not get stuck in looking at it, Ernest Holmes said this quote that he said, no person whose entire time is spent in the contemplation of limitations can free himself of those limitations. Mm -hmm. And so what that kind of said for me was, is I got that image of a horse and how they put blinders on the side of a horse's eyes. So it's not looking to its left or right, but rather looking straight. And so one of the things that we tend to do is, is that when we've got something that's frustrating us or something that is, is, is bothering us, we get so myopic that that's the only thing that we see. But sometimes, you know, in, in, in the scripture said Jesus, I, I think it was Jesus that said, look to the heels, right? Sometimes you have to look up. You've got to look over because most of the time, I, I, if not all the time, right? The time the problem presents itself, so too does the solution. Mm -hmm. But if we're only looking at the limitation, we can't see everything else. Right. So we have to be open to to being able to see, being able to look around, to look up, to look in a different direction and know that our answers come from everywhere. Sometimes I get, you know, I've gotten some schooling from some little kids, you know, little kids will be so insightful. Sometimes, it's, you know, we can get insight from any and every place. Right. And so you just have to stay open and trust that there is something good that is working on your behalf that truly wants you to be happy. Right. Don't get stuck. Right. Don't keep staring at what's wrong. Look and round you because everything is so right. And when you said that, and when talking about the in cleaning comes from the agitation, the friction. I was thinking in, in education, a big thing for teachers and also for students now is reflection, is that sometimes we get so caught in the assignment or the task and the assessment that you need to have the time to go back and just relax and reflect. That that's It's not necessarily what the problem was or the right answer, but it's the process. And unless you take time to reflect on the process and just rest from the process to just take a deep breath, relax and go with it. That, that's part of it. And that's often where, as you said, where you can often get the inspiration is when you just take time to stop, relax and let things wash over you. Mm -hmm. Or with me, with my love of music is that in music, it's not just the notes. It's also the rest. Mm -hmm. That silence is as important as the sound. And we need to recognize both the balance that sometimes the answers come in the silence, not in the sound. Right. And, you know, we we one of the things, too, that I have learned is is that there's this big push within our society to um, try to insulate people or isolate them from from life, from problems, from the things that go on. And sometimes I think we do people a real disservice. <laughs> people are very resilient. We <laughs> yes, we do a real disservice by not letting somebody fall. Falling is a natural part of learning how to walk. And sometimes when we are so busy trying to keep people safe, they don't, it's, 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 I mean, the, the analogy of a butterfly gets tired because, you know, we, but we know it's the struggle to get out of a cocoon that is what gives it wings or to, to push the blood back into its wings. 
And we see this happening over and over again in our lives. As a matter of fact, we know that where we are, we wouldn't be if we hadn't been through some stuff. Right. And so it is, I, I, I think that part of what we need to learn is, is that people, you know, disappointment is a part of life. Right. And learning how to learn from, to, from disappointment to get back up brush it off how to be tenacious exactly it's not mom and dad that needs to be tenacious it needs to be me that Mm -hmm. learns how to be tenacious and that's what that's one of my big criticisms in education is that sometimes the same thing we need to teach students how to fail and by that i mean that we shouldn't just always expect students to have successes and as you said to to limit them it's like oh i only want them to do something that they're going to do well and exceed it well sometimes you need to let them Go into something where they're not going to succeed, where they're not going to be the best, and learn how to deal with that. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of times life is facing obstacles, perhaps facing failure, and learning how to pick yourself up and keep moving forward. That we're not going to succeed at everything and to make the best people, the best well-adjusted adults, and for also people to realize what is the truth selves, that they may realize that something from that struggle about what they're good at or not good at or decide, I'm not good at this today, but that doesn't mean I'm a bad person. I can be better at it tomorrow, and I can be the best at it five or ten years from now, that it they learn that tenacity. Right. And and the answer is not to throw the Hussein Bolts of the world into jail. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Not to, in lock, to lock them up and imprison them, but rather to give them the tools to let them fly, mm-hmm. to do what it is that they do. And, and, and sometimes people are so busy trying to snip the wings because they feel inadequate. So anybody mm-hmm. else right. that I may outdo it... them, mm-hmm. then we're trying... We won't be free. We won't be good. We won't be the best that we can be until all of us can be the best that we can right. be. It's that that Can't makes jealousy this, hold us back. Yeah, it's that that makes us fly and to push us forward. And, and you know, and, and, and this is so not about sometimes what we do is, is we exploit other people's gifts for our own benefit because we think. <laughs> that, and I, I will tell you one of the things that I have learned in through doing the work that I'm doing is, is that there is a price that we pay. The price that we pay with our health, with our soul, with how we see ourselves. And even if nobody else knows what you've done or what you're doing, you do. Mm-hmm. And that's what eats us out from right. the inside That's what out. takes the toll. Going that's, back to the beginning. Yeah, those cool. are the cancers <laughs> that we deal with. Those are the, you know, depressions that we deal with. There's so much stuff that we deal with and we don't ever trace it back to what right. we've done. Mm-hmm. And so there is a there is a power in in forgiveness. There's a power in apologizing. There's a power in trying to do better. Absolutely. Putting something good out into the world. There's a power in that. And so I, you know, and we we you know we'd be remiss if we didn't speak to that too. <laughs> no, preach, Reverend Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So and so, what's next? Well, what is next for you? Oh gosh, what's next for me? You know, I um I often tell people that my joy comes from this, what I'm doing, being able to talk and to be able to share and to spread some light into the world. That's where I get my joy from. I, I, um, for years I dealt with, um, I don't want to say for years, I got, I, Okay, so Alan is sitting here looking at me. So um, I'll tell you guys, I, I had this abscess that I had at one time, a long time ago, is I got a, a breast abscess of all places, right? And I, I love to tell my stories. I, I do. So, so, so you eavesdropping on my stories, I tell all my business anyway. It's just, you know... And, and I don't really care if you judge me, right? Um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not there. I don't judge myself, so I tell you my stories. So I got this abscess in my breast, and it was painful. I 
don't know if you've ever had an abscess or not, but those things are painful. And it got infected and it was everything that even came near it. The air blowing was painful. And so I reluctantly had go to the doctor because, of course, you know, you think you could take a, you know, pop a Tylenol or something and it'd be okay. But it was not going away. So I go to the doctor and I find out that I've got an abscess. Oh, it's painful. So what they started doing was is that they would stick a needle in there and aspirate it. They that means that they would draw the 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 mm. it was pus. It was it was toxic. It was just terrible. Anyway, they would draw this out. And so they started giving me antibiotics and you know uh, the antibiotics, I, I, what I really didn't know at the time was is that the antibiotics takes out the infection, but it seemed like it prolonged the experience. And so this abscess, it came back one time, then it came back a second time. And then the third time, it, so the second time it came back, I think, is um, when it all of a sudden I'm sitting in my office and I'm working and I smell this foul, terrible smell. And at the time I had a German shepherd and I turned around to the dog and was like, what did you do? Because I'm thinking to myself. And so he's looking at me with his ears down like I didn't do anything. What did you do? (laughs) And so I'm like, come here. So he comes over and and he's got his ears back and he's looking at me and I'm smelling him like that. What is that smell? And he starts smelling me while I'm smelling him. <laughs> and I come to find out it was me. So I I called to the, you know, to the hospital and I was telling them, you know, what had happened. I was like, this thing, it just came out through my skin. It, it's, it's leaking. I'm leaking. And they said, oh, it's called abscess necessity. They was like, yes, it'll cut through your skin. Um, and so, you know, they told me to go in there and get in the shower and, you know, wash it off, clean it off. And then I could come in and, you know, they would, you know, pack the hole. Well, I had never really heard of this abscess necessity before. They didn't tell me this when they're sticking all these needles in me, that this thing would come out on its own. So from there on out, because I got the bill after that, <laughs> the, the bill just for them to clean it up after I had cleaned it up in the packet was like over a thousand dollars. So I'm thinking to myself, wow. like now when it comes back, I'm taking care of this bad boy myself because I know the process. So I get this book out after, you know, it's now it it reoccurs again. So it went into abscess necessity. Now here it is back. And I get this book out by Louise Hayes, I think it is. And it it is You Can Heal Your Life, right? It's this book. And in this book, it's got this whole index of all of these ailments that people can um, have in their bodies. And then it gives the corresponding mental condition that causes this. Now, for me, I was like, whoa, you know, I'm going to look in this book and see what it is. And and it didn't say abscess necessarily exactly, or if it did, it didn't necessarily connect it to my breast. So I look it up and, and when it said that I was having breast issues, it says that you were not giving of your milk. And I said, not giving of my milk? What do they mean? I don't have any milk. What's my milk? What, what? And, 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 and so, like everything else in life, I really try to go deep with my questions. I don't just ask questions and just, you know, I really want to, what's my milk? So as I thought and thought and thought about it and I contemplated and I prayed about it and, you know, I'm going to go into meditation about it. And, and then I thought, my milk, could my milk, could, 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 this, could this be my milk? Right? Could 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 my talking, could my sharing, could could my giving of myself in this way be my milk? Oh. That was like an awakening for me. <laughs> the great epiphany. <laughs> right. And even as you say it, you know, there are so many people who don't. And when when you think about milk as being something that feeds something or somebody, it's what we give that comes out of our inwards and give to somebody else as as a woman. That's that's what we do. I'm not giving of my milk. It's like what? 
And so from then on, it's like I've made a commitment to no matter where I go to show up in my fullness, to to let my milk so flow. And this is not to talk about it in a way that is um, at the base level of what people talk about. But how do we look at it from a higher perspective that we all have a gift to give to the world? And if we show up and give our gift to the world, then that is the milk that we have to give to the world. And so there are so many people that die with their milk inside of them, with their song inside of them, who don't realize that we are imploding because we are not giving of ourselves. And so now I talk, I talk, I share. (laughs) And, um, and so, yes, I will continue to talk, whether it's on a podcast or, you know, or any other venue. If it's in a pulpit, fine. If it's in a book, fine. If it's wherever. If you want to hire me to come out, fine. <laughs> That's marvelous and amazing. But this will be what I do. And if I don't have somebody to listen to me, that's okay. Because what I do, when I do it, when I, I, I go with the imagination that just like I may listen to Adele Carnegie today in 2021, and he said these words so long ago, I listened to James Baldwin today when he said these words back in 1970. I listened to all kinds of people that spoke in the past, in the present. And so what I could be saying right here and now may be for the people of you know, of the, of, of the new century, of a new time, of a new age. I don't know. All I know is, is that I got milk to give and I'm going to keep giving it. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. Well, thank you for showing up in your fullness and giving of your milk. <laughs> and we hope that you continue sharing. Um, um, Shift happens on WOVU as well as coming up on um, upcoming podcasts and Morning Glory every morning yes. on Facebook as well as uh, newly available as a podcast near you as well as Agape Renaissance Center and, and Esteemed Encounters. Sandra Bishop, thank you very much for sharing with us and it's been Wonderful having this conversation with you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. (laughs) Blessings to you. Blessings to you all. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this week's show and that you found something in it to spark a deeper conversation leading to greater understanding. I'm Milton Allen Turner, and I invite you to join me again next week for more 